Welcome to Breaking the Cycle of Poverty, featuring Jay Height, an executive director of Shepherd Community Center in Indianapolis. My name is Tim Swearens, and I'm your host for these conversations that explore why poverty remains such a persistent problem in the United States. On this episode, we're discussing a unique ministry called the Shalom Project, which Shepherd launched in 2016. Jay, give us some background on the Shalom Project. What is it, and how did it come about in the beginning? Well, it really comes with a, a mindset that we've come at some of these challenges with is there's a lot of folks trying these things. Let's look at it in a different way. Uh, there are many folks who, uh, because of poverty, they don't know how to advocate or navigate. And so 911 becomes sort of a catch-all. And we've heard the different programs where they're trying to determine at 911 if this is truly an emergency or if they could send a social worker or such. Well, in Baltimore, that's proven not to be very successful after three deaths. We don't know based off of a phone call where folks are. We're able to particularly target over-utilizers of 911 by teaming up a police officer and a paramedic. Uh, we have our paramedic, Shane Hardwick, here with us. And it is changing the conversation, but also giving us the ability to go into a situation uh, that could potentially explode into something negatively, uh, have the proper folks in the room. Uh, the officer opens the door, our paramedic changes the conversation, and they're really the tip of the spear for us in our attempts to change a neighborhood and help folks have their needs met. Jay, as you mentioned, Shane Hardwick, a paramedic, is with us here today. Would you introduce, introduce Shane to our listeners? Yeah, Shane Hardwick has been with us 60, 70 years. Uh, no, it's, it's uh, about six years now. Uh, we first started with a police officer, then brought Shane in. Shane serves our community in a variety of different ways, both as a paramedic, but also serving on SWAT and paramedic for the bomb squad. And uh, he, he does a lot of great things and is a great friend. Uh, to many of us, as well as a great advocate for our neighborhood. Shane, uh, welcome to the to the podcast, and and uh, you've been doing this work uh, since roughly 2016, six, seven years. What are some key lessons you've learned uh, doing this type of, of work? Yeah. Um, so I think for the... I've, I've been in EMS for 30 years mm-hmm. in, in some capacity or another, some, most of it all in the city of Indianapolis. And um, I think by and large, people in, in my industry think that folks just call 911 because they, they're just bored. It's a Saturday night. Let's call. Let's pick up the phone and, and let's go somewhere. And um, one of the things that, we've, that I've found is that that's, that's not necessarily the case. There's very few people that we found that just like to get drunk and, and end the night in the emergency room hooked up to an IV. Um, but what we have found is that like what Jay had talked about earlier is that overutilization of 911, people that continue to access, that's a that's a cry for help. There there's a symptom there that it's it's an unmet need that's that's not being addressed. And it's not being addressed by an ambulance or an ER doctor or a fire engine or a police officer or a jail wagon. There's something going on that is more than just the episodic engagement. With, with public safety and, and with emergency medicine. And um, I, I think one of the things that, that EMS needs to realize is that we're kind of that last layer in the social safety net. Like we're kind of that catch-all. Mm-hmm. 
And if we're not catching it and we continue to just keep taking the same people over and over to the hospital, then they're, they're falling through that. They're falling through that last layer of the net. And every system in America is just continuing to kind of churn out the same patients over and over again. And that's, that's where we're different is that we actually take the time to identify um, not only the frequent callers in the neighborhood, but then inject ourselves into that situation and then start bringing to bear resources from, from any number of agencies, but it all kind of goes through Shepherd. Um, we, we can't just keep, we can't maintain the amount of relationships that, that we engage. So, you know, we're able to hand that off to Shepherd and, and let their, let their ministry team go, you know, go forward with the patient and the relationship. Um, that's one thing that I've noticed. Um, I, I think the other thing is, um, what a lot of people don't understand is that, um, Community health and law enforcement agencies have been dealing with the same problem and looking at the same problem, but from different vantage points for years. And what's interesting to us, and I don't think a whole lot of people are tracking, is that if you if you took like a, a heat map of where, uh, take a city, any city in America, you take a heat map and you lay over where all the crime is at. And other than senior living centers and nursing homes, if you lay a heat map over where all the where all the EMS calls are at, they're in the same place, and and there's reasons there's reasons for that that you know I could talk for hours on as to why they're located in the same down to the same block sometimes. Um, that that's where the needs are at, and I'm not saying that chronically ill people are causing or making crime or that all the crime goes where the chronically ill people are at. But when you start looking at social determinants of health, mm-hmm. uh, how you were raised, who you're influenced by, your your food insecurity, your housing insecurity. All of that kind of swirls in the same area, and it, it influences people's behavior in, in very different ways. And if if you don't have a whole lot of resources coming your way, or a whole lot of speak people speaking into your life in a positive way, um, that chronic stress really kind of brings about a, a lack of future orientation. And that's where you get your episodic encounters with the ER, with no thought towards preventative care, mm-hmm. or if I, you know commit this crime, you know, there, there's no future orientation to what what lies next. Shane, could you explain at a time when everyone say, it's hot, it's hot out there. What's a heat map? Uh, a, a heat map, think of like, um, think of a, a radar screen and mm-hmm. you're looking at a storm, right? It's, uh, you know, where the red is, is really concentrated, the yellows, the greens, mm-hmm. um, it's it's that area where all the data is compiled and it and it maps out where all the whatever statistic you're looking for, drug overdoses, um, you know, infant mortality, mm-hmm. um, vandalism, murder, all of that stuff. If if you lay that over, uh, we found that a lot of a lot of neighborhoods where you've got you, where you've got one, you have the other, right. and that and it just it looks like it looks like a map of a, a storm coming through the city. Mm-hmm. How does your work with this project differ from the work a paramedic would normally do? Oh, it's it's vastly different. Um, so the 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 kind of the the goofy phrase that I always use when I when I speak on this is most most public safety systems it, it's episodic, right? It's not relational. It's just episodic. You pick up the phone, they come, they deal with the problem, and then and then they're on to the next problem. And I always kind of say it's the you call, we haul, that's that's all mentality. And what we do is uh, vastly different because we're, we're identifying problems and we're kind of 
pouring into their lives in a way that, that public safety just doesn't do. It's just, it's very easy to replicate, but it's uh, the mindset to most cities is, is not quite there yet. And, I, and I, hope, I hope people embrace it. It's more than just the episodic encounter. Some of our relationships go for, for years. And by making those follow-up visits, you, you show up in their time of need. When they picked up the phone, they called 911, whether it was an emergency to us uh, the, or something that we would perceive as, as this is kind of a waste of time, um, it's, it's a big deal to them. And so if we can show up in their moment of need when they want to be found um, and, and we can start rendering aid and we can start doing that, that initial needs assessment of what's really going on in the house, uh, it becomes very di- it becomes very easy for us to knock on their door a couple of days later and say, "Hey, we've come back to check on you. Did you get your prescriptions filled? Did you, you know, did you get your follow up appointment with your doctor?" Um, and that's vastly different from anything else out there on the, in, in any city. Is that we're meeting them on the nine one one calls, and we're coming back and we're making sure that they're getting taken care of. What are the most common needs you encounter? It's a big book, <laughs> you yes. know. Every every everybody's in the same book, and it's a different chapter. Um, I think some of the biggest needs, um, from a logistic standpoint, is is transportation. Mm. Um, I think going much much deeper than that, if if you're asking what are the needs of the neighborhood, I I really um, I think if there's one thing that 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 people need is they they need hope and and they need someone some positive influence in their life that, that's saying it doesn't have to be this way. You know, you, you don't have to live check to check. You don't live, have to live hand to mouth. Your, your zip code shouldn't dictate your, your years on this earth, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's the biggest thing that we're missing as a society is, um, you know, we hear a lot of victim stories, but we don't really hear any, any future plans of how they're going to turn it around. And I, I think it's the easiest thing that we could possibly do. It costs zero dollars to, to have positive influences that are in this neighborhood that are, that are telling people that you don't have to live this way. You know, I think one of the things that this gives us a new lens into looking at our neighborhood is poverty, hopelessness, crime are all symptoms of this underlying issue of loneliness and having no connection. One of the things we teach in Poverty 101 is poverty is being $6 short on your utility bill and having no one to ask for for help. And this is trying to find those people, those people who don't have the connections, who don't know all the service providers, and we're able to uncover them with the team of Adam and Shane and then use that to open the door to bring additional services, but most of all, to learn their name. Uh, there was a researcher from IUPUI, a uh, professor who studied this and said, you know, one of the core reasons why this week, the, this foundational part is 28 minutes on a scene is their average time. Hmm. What is it for, you know, five, six minutes for a police officer, not much more for an ambulance? Yeah, we. Um, I, I can't speak to the police side. I, I think that's, um, you know, depending on how long they're on the scene, it's vastly different from our work. But I mean, if you look at, you know, we're on the scene 15 minutes with a with a patient, and then we've got the time on the way to the hospital. Mm-hmm. How much is that spent document, you know, documenting? 
um, and, and doing our charting to get to the ne- you know to the next call, and then it's and it's 15 minutes at the hospital. So um, you know we're kind of on the clock, and it's it's very rhythmic, and it, it's just the way it kind of has to be for mm-hmm. for mainstream EMS. But there's definitely there's an opportunity to go deeper. It, it's just the the folks that are doing the the, the important life saving stuff on the ambulance, they just don't have the the bandwidth to not only you know deal with the immediate calls, but then to do the follow up, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of where Shalom comes in and makes it a little different. Jay, how how can listeners help support the the work and the rest of the rest of the team? Well, I think as we're uh, we've been passing out fans and and uh, trying to deal with the heat wave, but soon winter will here, uh, be here. Not quick enough, I think. Uh, but uh, things like uh, those little hand warmers, uh, blankets are all items that we're able to provide them so that when they're out and about, uh, they can use that. We really appreciate one of the owners, Pete, of McDonald's, who gives them McDonald's gift cards because that helps them be able to create that relationship. So it may be items that way. Shane, are there other things that people could donate that would be a benefit? Yeah. Um, so we, we use those McDonald's gift cards like currency. Um, we've solved a lot of problems with, with those cards. So Pete, we appreciate it. Um, you know, there's, there's, um, there's dozens of things that, that we, we can do. The hand warmers are great. We've um, we've kept some homeless people from from getting frostbite or losing more toes mm-hmm. um, because of the hand warmers. Um, there's a I don't know. None of us are smarter than all of us, and I'm sure there's a lot of folks that are, you know, listening in can can think of something that we haven't thought of. Um, it's a little more difficult in the wintertime because you don't want to be giving people space heaters and things like right, that because, right. God forbid, they catch something on fire. Um, you know what? One of the things, loneliness is what you see each and every day. And if folks say, you know what? I could make one or two phone calls a week and just call people and talk to them mm-hmm. and check on them. That's a huge opportunity. Thank, thank you, Jay. For 37 years, Shepherd Community has made the, a lasting difference in the lives of thousands and thousands of neighbors. And the Shepherd team couldn't do that work without the support of donors, partners, and volunteers. To learn more about how you can help, please visit shepherdcommunity.org. Thank you for listening. Thanks.